Welcome to the Mediate.com podcast with Veronica Kramer. Well, hey there, and welcome back to the Mediate.com podcast. And today I'm excited because we're going to talk all about how to mediate in Latin culture and how AI impacts dispute resolution with guest Luis Gomez. By way of background, Luis is an international business lawyer, expert in conflict resolution, graduate of the University Externado of Columbia Law School, JD equivalent, and with a diploma program in financial law from the University del Rosario. He also holds a master in international business and management from the University of Westminster in London, an executive course in successful negotiation strategy at University of Cambridge, after which he worked as part of Motorola's legal team in the United Kingdom. He took the negotiation research and training certificate offered by the Dispute Resolution Research Center at Northwestern University, a PhD research stance at the Gold Center for Conflict Resolution at Stanford University, and currently is a PhD candidate at Tilburg University in the Netherlands. Currently, Luis is a mediator at the Chamber of Commerce of Bogota and research lecturer at the Business Law Department, University Externado of Colombia teaching negotiation strategy and artificial intelligence applied to dispute system design, among other subjects, and member of the Committee of Commercial Practices at the International Chamber of Commerce. He is in charge of the Master of International Business Law and the Diploma in Legal Innovation, and author of the book, International Negotiation Strategic Approach. So with that, Luis, welcome to the Mediate.com podcast, and thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Veronica. No, thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, this is going to be great fun. And I think we have a lot of interesting topics to talk about. So I'm excited. Indeed. And yeah, and I thought maybe the way that we could get things started would really be just to talk a little bit about mediation versus conciliation in Colombia. So can you share a little bit about that? Well, that's, that's a very important question because even in Colombia, think uh, people think that mediation and conciliation are the same thing, and and the issue is that it that that will depend on the regulation in different parts of the world. Uh, in some, the difference is very narrow, and in others, it's quite wide. It's, it's, they are completely at different methods. Uh, in Colombia, in Colombia, the things that that would depend on the kind of issue we are, we are dealing with. We talk about conciliation if it's a, a conflict related to civil, labor, or a, any difference between a citizen and the government. Whereas we, we talk about mediation is mainly in the penal field. So because it's, it's about restorative justice. In any case, the, the things that uh, we have to bear in mind that people doesn't doesn't know too much about mediation in Colombia, which is a real shame, because the legal system, the judicial system in Colombia, is going through a very serious crisis, and we need all kind of methods to resolve conflict among citizens. And um, Mediation is very important. It's very important because it's mainly about restorative justice. And that's why it's mostly related to penal law. 
And, and unfortunately, people don't know too much about mediation and the conciliation is the method that we are uh, recurring most of the time. And another difference that uh, conciliation is considered in the Constitution of Colombia. In the Article 116, conciliators are bestowed with the faculty to, to manage justice in a transitory way, and it's, it's very different what the judge, uh, the, the, the core rulings, and also to what the, the, the conciliation, the conciliators do, because we can force the party to, to reach an agreement. Whereas the, the decision of a judge is uh, also, well, the, the is, is the same in, the, in certain cases because it's mandatory, but whereas in the conciliation is voluntary, what the ju uh, just decision has to be complied uh, most of the time when they, they are not uh, recorded to a higher court, at least. Interesting. And I know during our, our prep chat before we uh, decided to, to record this conversation today, um, you mentioned that there is a new law regarding conciliation that has received some criticism. Can you tell me about that? Uh, well, we are going through a very exciting time right now because we have been waiting this law for a long time to update the, the regulation of the conciliation. And as I told you before, we're going through a very serious crisis in the judicial system uh, with a backlog of almost 2 million uh, files. And every year we left behind like 20% of cases without solving. Uh, and conciliations are, are, has, has won a, a place in the conflict resolution in the field in Colombia because uh, while in 2002 the request for conciliation were like 32,000 by 2021 we have uh, 146,000 cases uh, i mean requests for conciliation so uh, it's a it's a main way to solve conflicts in colombia and to avoid adding pressure to the to the judicial system in our country. Uh, apart also of the, the the savings we've got using conciliation, we are we are talking about like billions of pesos uh, when we solve conflict in a very friendly way, uh, mainly through conciliation. And also it helps to to repair the relationship among companies and also individuals. That's why conciliation is quite important in Colombia. And the, with the new law, as everything, there are some people who are very glad with the law. Uh, they think that like the eighth marble of the uh, judicial world, whereas other, they thought that we, we have lost an important chance to to have a very efficient and perfect uh, uh, regulation in Colombia. In any case, uh, apart from the criticism, there are very good things uh, about this law because 
In this law, we have, for example, uh, that the, it's possible to have uh, like separated caucus with the parties. We, we did before, but now with law, we, we are more relaxed about this. Uh, also with the governmental, the government employees who are best off with the faculty to perform conciliations, they have, they have to go through a, a mandatory training before doing it, which is important. And one of the main uh, issues here is that with the, with this law, what, what was scattered, the regulation was scattered before in different laws, decrees. Now we have everything in a single body of regulation. And uh, before, since it was very scattered, uh, it was very difficult for lay people to understand concilia conciliation. Uh, and whereas now, it's easier for everybody. Now, uh, there are some criticism, of course. Uh, one of them is that um, at the beginning, in the request, uh, when people, when somebody wants to record to conciliation uh, in the form, uh, the request is there are some the almost uh, contact details of the other party. The most of all, most of all contact details, for example, email, uh, the purpose of the conciliation, the address and that kind of things, that if they are not complete, uh, we have to ask for the, the, the people that they, they gave us the, they give us the, this information, which we did before in a very informal way. If we realize a conciliators that the, the form was, was incomplete, and it wasn't possible, therefore, to, to contact the other party. Then we call. We call the party that was requesting the conciliation and ask them this information. Whereas now, uh, it's not possible to accept the request until everything is complete. Uh, which is, you know, sometimes people don't realize uh, that, uh, I mean, the, the the legislature is putting some hurdles in, in the way people would like to access to, to justice through conciliation. And this, this, I think that's the main criticism that ha has formalized the, the conciliation in Colombia in a very subtle, but in any case, can, this can impact the, the way conciliation is conducted here. And, and also we have, uh, with this law, we, uh, well, that, that one, one important thing that was missing and is good is that this law allows to perform conciliations, uh, online or in person, you know, being everybody in the same room and, um, in a very, in a hybrid way. Uh, some parties in the room, others online. And in that way, is, 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 it has added a flexibility to the process. Above all, in, in Bogota, because in Bogota we have huge traffic jams, and before getting to the in the in the conciliation, uh, people, apart from the stress to to have to deal with a conflict, uh, the stress is you know is even higher. 
blood pressure and everything you want to mention, uh, which is not advisable to to get into in that state when you are dealing with you know when you want to resolve a conflict. So if you if the conciliation can can be performed online, uh, is you know can be make things easier and and the thing is that you know uh, the pandemic was a very uh, interesting learning experience because before we thought that it was impossible to perform conciliations in Colombia online it just you know it was impossible people thought it was it was impossible uh, however the the pandemic was a myth breaker. With the pandemic, we learned uh, in a very needy way that it was possible and we didn't have any other alternative. So in this law, the 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 it was it it allowed us to, to do it now in a permanent way. Before it was in a transitory way to overcome the, the crisis with the pandemic, but now we can do it. Uh, every you know when whenever the parties allow it and whenever they like it they wanted to do it and you know it's amazing how things can change and adapt when we think we need to right <laughs> because of because <laughs> yes. of circumstances it, it, it's amazing and uh, just a side note i'm glad that you mentioned online conciliation in colombia and i'll share for the listeners uh we had another episode on the mediate.com podcast i know with one of your colleagues nicholas lazada and uh, he talked about uh online conciliation in colombia so i'll just i'll flag that for the listeners as well in case they want to check that out and i'll link to that in the show notes but yeah no thank I you i won't i won't miss it and, and Nicolas is an expert in the field. He has been studying and applying for a long time. So let me know when he's ready, please. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, so I know I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about a topic that I know you're really excited to talk about. And that is, you know, resolving conflict in the Latin culture. And I thought maybe the way that I would start is really just kind of share my experience a little bit. So uh, I was a facilitative mediator for about seven years. And I'm based in the United States in Columbus, Ohio. And when I reflect on my mediations, I was trained as a facilitative mediator. So that's the style that I used. And I know another common style of mediation, at least in the States is evaluative mediation. And so I'm curious, you know, as you think about neutrals working with parties um trying to resolve conflict in the latin culture i mean what is it that you think is important for others to be aware of for neutrals to be okay. aware of i should say okay okay veronica uh, i understand and it's, it's very interesting because that that question is very interesting because in order to to help the parties to reach an agreement you have to understand the parties. And in relation to Latin culture, we have to practically get inside the head of everybody, uh, but not just the what they are thinking in terms of interest, money, uh, the balance between what is better for them or not. Uh, it's important to have emotional intelligence 
And, and that's where I think that the neutral uh, have to like transmit the idea that everything will be fine to relax people because as Latin, we are a very, uh, so, sometimes the, the emotions can uh, make us uh, think that things are worse or maybe we are over uh, secure that we, if we go to uh, any court, we are going to win, but we don't know what is really at stake at the end. So we, I, I think I, I was very fortunately, fortunate to, to study negotiation in Kellogg with Professor Jim Brett, uh, Steve Goldberg, Lee Thompson, and, and the late uh, Kid Morningham, because they focus negotiation on, on emotional, um, and mainly uh, from the psychological perspective. And since we, the, as neutral, we, we can't make that, uh, I mean, we need the help of the parties and also of the lawyers that are with the parties. And uh, that's important. That's why uh, I teach to my students that uh, if the, the neutral is not very, uh, if, if, if the neutral is not taking into account the emotional interest of the parties, uh, they have to show that it's possible to reach an agreement, sometimes just mainly taking into account the, the emotions, the, the emotional interest of them, and also the lawyers. I am glad to say that now it's more frequent that lawyers, uh, they, they think that the best bet is to avoid courts at any cost, and for that, for that, uh, a good way to solve conflict is uh, by by the way of uh, conciliation. So, so to, to to answer your question in a nutshell, uh, one of the key characteristic characteristics of of any uh, neutral is applying emotional intelligence, and we need that also lawyers who are changing their mindset and also the parties are, are get uh, taking into account that that aspect of the of the conflict when they want to to make any proposal is there i'm wondering is there a particular emotion that you've noticed that is most critical for a neutral to be aware of to manage like for example so when I reflect back on my mediations, uh, I I used to always try to be aware of and to manage anger because I used to notice. Anger, indeed. Yeah, I used to notice in my mediations, my participants, that that anger made people less able to perceive risk. That when people got anger angry they were more likely to just walk out of a mediation or to not give full consideration to a settlement offer. So I'm curious, you know, as you mentioned, the need for emotional intelligence, um, is there a particular emotion? Yes. Well, apart from, from anger, where, you know, you, you, can not, you can tell when somebody wants to, to take the other party to court for, for a vendetta. Just... Uh, to take revenge there. 
but there is another emotion that is very particular and that I come across a lot, a lot of time during conciliation, and that is envy. Interesting. You know, it, yes, because, for example, in, in one conciliation, we were about to reach an agreement, but when the, when the other party realized that the other was earning a little bit more, a little bit more than him, he said, no, I don't, I don't want this agreement. I, I'm not going to settle. And I, in, uh, in, in separate calculus, I, I asked him, why not? Because he's earning a bit more than me. And I, I told him, yes, but at the beginning, he invested the double of the money that you did. So, I mean, it's, it's just fair that this is the end result. And it took a lot of persuasion to to make him to agree with this with this uh, settlement. But in and, and this has happened a lot of times, just you know, with envy or that the other party takes the wants to sue the other because uh, they are a more successful professional and that kind of thing. You it's, it's very strange. It's very strange, but uh, sometimes you find it that's the main reason why the conflict is uh, originated. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought of envy. So that's interesting to hear that. Yeah. So I'm well, curious. Human nature is fascinating <laughs> and complex at the same time. I know, right? So in Latin culture, can you talk a little bit about how are settlement offers how are they made? How are they accepted? How are they declined? Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, what, what I found out is that mostly, most of the time, people doesn't prepare, doesn't, doesn't get prepared for conciliation. They just make, uh, make the decisions based on a gut feeling. And but in any case, you know, apart from the, the emotional part, uh, the, the, this emotional factor, uh, in related in relation to Latin culture, is it's mainly the same, because at the end, it's a matter of figures. Okay, how much I am saving with this agreement, how much I am earning, and and also depends on the on of a of the face, the reputation of the people to save, to save face. That's, you know, one of the, the things that I learned apart from the, from the ego, if uh, some of the party, well, one of the party, the party is most affected, uh, realize that, okay, his reputation will be fine. Everything will be okay. So we, we have to realize that uh, since we are very emotional, uh, that part of the reputation they can sometimes can take its toll in the in the agreement because uh, if we don't satisfy that need, uh, the parties will never really uh, overcome the conflict. So, so you're saying it, it's not just about the money, is what it's I'm understanding. It's not just about the money. It's not just because about the money. Um, an apology will be enough, but in the I've been 
a conciliator, uh, I mean a neutral here in Colombia for more than four years. And just once, just once, one of the party has apologized to the other, just once. And that was all, okay? The, the party said, okay, listen, you know what? I'm sorry. Please uh, apologize me for for this. And, and the other party said, okay, that's all I wanted to hear. And they settled. They settled without caring about the money. And the relationship was stronger later on. And but that has only happened once because we are a bit proud, okay? And but uh, yes, uh, the thing is that uh, uh, apart from the from the money, there are other factors can could be good if we know how to manage them, or could be uh, that the party. Take the party that commit a, like a harakiri during the during the session. So you know you talked about the need to to manage and be aware of emotions in conflict, and I'm curious, you know, when we talk about communication in Latin culture, are there any other characteristics that you think are important for a neutral to be aware of? Yes, going through through the emotions. Uh, Empathy, empathy, but above all, respect. In Colombia, we, we used to say that it doesn't matter what you say, but how you say it. If you com uh, convey like an emotion of respect, of consideration with the other party situation, that would help a lot. But sometimes the, the other party just say, listen, are you going to offer this amount and just leave me alone, uh, that that would help too much. That will be a very a very a very negative way to make offers during the during the session. And and the respect is very important. It's uh, one of the main factors that can help uh, uh, to reach an agreement. Uh, if we make sure that the parties talk to each other with empathy and respect. I think that you know when when you are about to reach an agreement. And and it's, that's why it's good to to have to to plant this kind of environment even before the beginning, calling to the parties, telling telling them that they have to to take into account that the these methods, whatever method you're using, uh, is voluntary. So nobody is going to make them, force them to reach an agreement. And it will depend entirely of them. But uh, they have to give a shot, to give a shot to, to, to this method, to free, any kind of friendly method that they would like to use. So I have one follow-up on this topic before we move on to our next topic. And, you know, you, you talk about respect, and I'm wondering if you can maybe give an example of what that looks like in Latin culture. So I guess I'm curious, when I think about respect, so would an example, maybe instead of addressing someone by their first name, maybe is it addressing them by their title and their last name? Is that Would that be an example of respectful communication? 
that would be an excellent example, Veronica, and because we are very formal. We, for example, we call everybody, we call everybody here in Colombia doctor. Uh, the doctor who deal with health issues, uh, lawyers, everybody is a doctor here. And uh, we used to address uh, uh, people like, sir, I know that it's very formal, even for, for Anglo-Saxon cultures, but here's the norm, and it's a way to convey respect. That's, that, that's an excellent example. And it's a very good way to, to make them feel important. And, and another way is to that when they are dealing each other directly, where they're referring to each other, they have to feel, make them feel that they are among equals, and at the same footing. They are, they are defensive, that nobody's the victim, I mean. And uh, that's, that's quite important to, to convey respect. And, and also, also, another way to convey respect is also to to moderate your your voice, your the tone, uh, the what we call the para uh, para verbal. Uh, I don't know if you have that expression in English. The the expression that you para verbal communication, the, the 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 expressions that you convey with your face are quite important that everything has to be um, integrated with your voice, what you say, and the expression of your face. So that, that the people, the other people have to be, that have to realize that it's an, you're dealing with an honest uh, counterparty. Yeah, this is fascinating. And I almost feel like, I, we'll have to have you back on the podcast another time because we could definitely spend a whole episode just on this topic. Um, Whenever you like. <laughs> <laughs> you're always welcome back. Yeah, we'll have to get that on the calendar. Well, no, no, and you know what? Can, can I? There, there, there was this fascinating uh, case that I had uh, because I want to go back to the to the to the emotion uh, emotional interest. Because this party were arguing for a long time. Uh, there was a club, a golf club outside Bogota, and it was at this utility service uh, company. And the, the club, uh, well, I'm going to avoid names for obvious reasons. reasons. And the thing that the club wanted to have, uh, like to be connected with this service directly, and they don't have to, you know, pay. Uh, like if they they have this the their own supply, and they they hire this pipeline, and the company has to connect the pipeline with the club. It they they suffer a lot of delays, and then the pandemic started, and at the end, the 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 utility service company said, okay, you owe me X amount of money. And the club said, listen, we, we had some delays. I had to pay more. I had to hire this particular service provider. And we are in the middle of the pandemic. I don't have that amount. And we lasted like eight months with engineers, experts in all kinds of, in this, in this field. And at the end, the company said, listen, you know what? We are going to see you. 
and I don't I don't care what happened to you, we are going to sue. And in uh, in, in separate meeting, the the manager of the club told me we we can afford to go to court because uh, our accounts will be frozen like 400 families around depends on the job here and it was a lot of pressure on the on the neutral here which was me and and i i spoke to the vice president of the utility service company and he i asked him uh, why are you so stressed we we are we are going fine this is part of the process and he told me listen is that we are we in our company the philosophy the policy of the company is that we we have barbecues we meet uh, every every now and then and but now we are, we are you know getting to working from home we are no we have we don't have the contact with our uh, employees and since we are we were at the end of the pandemic I asked him if he knew, if he had gone to the club. I said yes, it's a very nice club, and I I proposed him that what if in exchange of the money they are demanding, they can exchange that money for services for the club, and they have the they can have all kind of gatherings, barbecues, uh, balls, whatever they like in that club, and they say okay. We we can go for it, and at the club they say, I I told them listen, you you only have half of the money. What if we give a pay with the money and the rest in services, which it would it would make it meant like uh, a reduction of the debt in forty percent, because you know for a club, a uh, cocktail doesn't cost as much of, of for the client, right? And so they they accepted this this deal based again on an emotional uh, interest, and the the club also got a, a very important client, which was uh, was needed uh, for like to to make that the, the finances get strong again. Yeah, that's that sounds like you know the win win. You always hear neutrals whether it's everybody you know. was happy here yeah. yeah yes absolutely sorry about that it just was a uh, you know parenthesis but i think it was, uh, that case was was very interesting yeah absolutely absolutely well so let's talk about our final topic uh that i'm excited to talk with, with you about and that is ai okay, which one? ai okay. and dispute resolution <laughs> okay okay so first, I thought maybe can you talk just a little bit about because we hear the buzzword, you know, AI, artificial intelligence, you know, quite frequently nowadays. So what is AI and what can it do and not do? Okay, well, that's that's you know that's a very difficult question <laughs> to ask somebody what is AI because the more I study this topic the more I realized that I know just a little bit. The, uh, so, uh, and the, the first time I come across this topic, it, it, it wasn't love at the first sight, you know? Uh, quite the opposite. It was very spooky. 
because when when I put uh, when I presented my my research proposal at Tibor University, it was about how to renegotiate international contracts, and they they told me, listen, that's fine. It's, a, it's you know okay, but we here at Tilburg, we like to to like foresee what's going to happen next. So they they took me to the Einoven High Tech Campus, and they showed me how a uh, legal department worked there, and and I was. I was very scared because just with three lawyers, they could manage all the legal issues worldwide. So wow. what can artificial intelligence do? The, the, first, the, the first thing is to, to, to help us to automate process. Now, what is artificial intelligence? Uh, I, I know to answer this question, I'm not going to refer to the, like the, Technical way to to answer it, but as I as I said to my as I tell to my students, uh, artificial intelligence is a tool. It's a tool based on technology. Uh, of course, in uh, algorithms, you can call this technology machine learning, deep learning, etc. Uh, that can help us to make things uh, easier or can kill us because a lot of people say, okay, if we can control artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence is going to swallow everybody here. So uh, that's an ap apocalyptic way to, to, to view it. But uh, I think that artificial intelligence, at least in the legal field, can make things a lot easier above all in systems that, than like the Colombian, in which uh, we can, we, I mean, we are a poor country. So we can hire more people, more judges. We can hire the double of judges. And if we, if we try to solve things the same way that we did before, it would be like Colin, Colin Rousse to try to drink water from a, firefighter uh, who's so it won't it won't be enough so we need an extra help and that extra help can be in the form of an ai what can do uh, automate uh, processes it can help judges to for example to uh, draft the first version of the of a core a core rollings and what can't artificial intelligence do? And it's important when we try to solve conflicts is to feel. And there's a serious setback for artificial intelligence so far because we 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 don't actually know, don't know what is going to happen in the next years at least. That's interesting. And is there? an example of an application of an artificial intelligence that's currently in use in the dispute resolution field that you're able to talk about? Can, can I, uh, Veronica, can I narrow the, the answer sure. to what is going on in Colombia? Sure, absolutely. Because it's, it's a very fascinating example. Uh, the thing is that here we are very, 
conservative and and in the in the constitutional court we in Colombia we have the Supreme Court with this we issued uh, among individuals and we also have the state council with this with uh, that's the top court in conflict between individuals and the state and also we have the constitutional court in charge of uh, protecting our constitutional rights uh, in the constitution uh, we have this uh, action that we can use is it's like i want to say that in spanish is the tutela okay because it's it doesn't have a a very uh, clear translation though the the tutela action can be used when somebody thinks that the his constitutional right had been uh, breached so uh, you can use the tutela for health issues when your life is at stake you can use the tutela for example if somebody has has be uh, being uh, being sent to prison and the the process is taking too long and then you can use the tutela to to know to get your freedom again in a speedy way and that kind of things you know it's mostly a constitutional rights and each constitutional a judge there was receiving like 4,000 tutelas per day. So it sounds it was, like a lot. It, it, yes, indeed. It's impossible. I mean, with, with all the manpower you can use, it's impossible to cope with that demand. So uh, we, they they hire a system that at the beginning they was called Prometea. And the, the system using machine learning Help to detect, helps to detect uh, those decisions issued by by judges, in which the the West the the decisions were against the constitution, and also to the constitutional court rulings. So what used to take months now is a matter of seconds. So we are it has been in Colombia has been quite helpful to use this kind of system uh, we are we are talking about lives uh, apart from you know apart from money is when somebody life is at stake and needs an urgent uh, treatment it can help a lot to to save lives and has been very useful and i don't know why we haven't used this kind of system like almost everywhere in all kind of courts and the use of this uh, the uh, prometea doesn't necessarily uh, make that the, the judge uh, wants to you know to really check if the the system is right or not it can go further because it's not a matter of copy paste and and but has been a very helpful helpful in um making things work in the way they should from the very beginning and i'm reminded just at the outset of how you said that ai is a tool because that's a that's a great example yes 
and has been a very important tool. We can make a, a frog leap using a machine learning in the judicial system just to just to automate just to automate the process uh, because nowadays just to accept the the uh, any issue is taking like six months that's not good for any society to have to have that kind of delay because just delaying justice is a denial of the justice of the justice of the justice itself so so the the times that we've come with we have ahead uh, are very you know every advice is looking forward is is following uh, what is what we are doing and we are also following what is going on in different parts of the world uh, at the university externado for example we've got this diploma program in legal innovation uh, and everything is about changing the mindset of the of our students to help them to prepare for the opportunities that technology is bringing to the legal field and it was the the first postgraduate study in colombia uh, oh, mainly wow. a, a result just a result of the of my my phd research because i i thought i can wait until i finish this uh it's important that my my also undergraduate studies uh, students uh, I teach this uh, this subject with Nicolas Lozada. Uh, it's called dispute system design, and they they are amazed with this, and it's a way to to help them to prepare when they become professionals, lawyers. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. And for my next question, I think I know the answer to this based on what you've said so far, but I want to ask it anyway. Shoot. <laughs> Do you think that AI will replace human dispute resolution practitioners? Okay. Uh, that's a very tricky question. Well, I think that it's, it's happening now. Uh, depend, depending on the platform, uh, whatever we we like it or not, uh, it's happening with, with chatbots. At, uh, sometimes people rather to, to deal with a chatbot with that, a human being that can be frustrating. But the thing is that if we, we want to solve a conflict in a Latin culture, uh, we always rather to, to deal with somebody. With a with a human being, and well, in any case, I think AI will play an important role. Uh, with if we make that uh, it works fine with a neutral, uh, because we can we can force synergies. Can uh, Goldberg from the uh, Berkeley University? It talks about multiplicity instead of singularity. Multiplicity is that it's working alongside with the machines to to forge these synergies in the in a way that the result could be upgraded. So so 
I think if we if we mix up the expertise of a neutral with the the power that can bring the AI, the results and the percentage of of the of the agreements reached will be increased in a very important way. So it, to answer the question, it could it, 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 we could could do that, but I think that is uh, for the parties it will, will will be more important at least in, in at least in Latin culture to have both elements. That makes sense, and I guess just to test to make sure I'm understanding. So the impression that I have uh, so far is that AI will replace a human doing the things that maybe are more repetitive because AI could probably do certain tasks more efficiently. But there are certain things, like you've mentioned throughout this conversation, connecting with human emotions that technology, AI, can't do, that those are at least not at this stage and where we are, that those are things that are um, but humans are uniquely qualified to connect with mo- emotions in other people. And so okay. to the extent that those activities exist in dispute resolution, those will need to be done by humans, that hum- human dispute that, resolution yes. practitioners may use AI, like you said, side by side um, for more repetitive tasks. Am I, am I following you? That, that's, I completely agree because also it will depend uh, Veronica, on the complexity of the issue. As you said, it is something like uh, we are talking about nickel, so I mean, something uh, that is not representative in terms of money, and, it, and it's something that can be solved using uh, a chatbot, for example. Okay, let's go for it. Um, but it's, it's something more serious. We can use uh, any a neutral, uh, which is going to cost uh, you know more. It's going to cost a lot more in terms of time, uh, the synchronism, uh, the communication, speaking. Everybody has to be at the same time. For example, at least here in Colombia. That and by the way, that was of the of the issues that wasn't included in the law because it was important to include. Yeah, asynchronous uh, exchange of information, but it's not there. And and I think that we can use artificial intelligence to 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 solve conflict in uh, but most of all conflicts that that are not representative in terms of money and that can be solved in a medi in a very automatic uh, way. So one final question for you to wrap up our chat. Uh, but you know the time just went so fast. <laughs> no, I know, I know. We could we could talk for hours about this stuff. Um, so, what do you see? And I'll, I'll narrow my question a little bit. What do you see as the future for AI and dispute resolution in Colombia? Let's say, for example. Okay. Um, can I talk about like what is, can I foresee the future of? artificial intelligence in in the in the in the field of uh, 
conflict resolution in general? Sure, sure. yeah. You want to go broader? Sorry about sure. that. Sure. Okay, because I think, you know, Richard Saskin said that by 2030, uh, the, the power that is going to reach artificial intelligence will be awesome. Awesome. I mean, we, we, we can foresee what's going to happen. Uh, and the thing is that taking into account that opinion, I think that what can we do with artificial intelligence? I think will be like the end of conflict. Can we use that, that power that is going to bring artificial intelligence when it's at the, at its a uh, 100%? not to resolve conflict, but to avoid it. Because currently we are using predictive coding. Uh, and every time it has, uh, is, is better. It has, has improved a lot. Why don't we use that, that power that comes with artificial intelligence when it's fully developed instead of uh, solving conflict Conflict, uh, try to avoid it, which is, which may think, will make things easier. With the, with the data that we're managing, sometimes we can foresee if uh, the, the parties are, are in a, you know, in a collapsing uh, um, mode, so to say, uh, course, in a collapsing course. And if we can avoid that, Everybody will be better off. I, that, that's the way I think we should use artificial intelligence to avoid conflict instead of, uh, you know, trying to solve them. Yeah, and that's a really compelling thought to end on. I mean, using the power of technology to prevent conflict versus just resolving. Yeah, that's compelling. Well, Luis, this has been such a great chat. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. If anyone wants to learn more about your work or connect with you to ask any follow-up questions or anything, how can they do so? Okay, thank you. Yes, uh, anybody can who can contact me can do it through my email. Uh, it's luis.gomez001, sorry, just one O, at uexternado.edu.co. I'm going to spell it. L-U-I-S dot G-O-M-E-Z O-1 at U-E-X-T-E-R-N-A-D-O dot E-D-U dot C-O. And you know what? I'll go ahead and put a link to your email address in the show notes so that listeners can access it that way. Even better. Yes. Veronica, it has been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for this chance. And over here, we are at your orders, whatever you think is worthwhile uh, discussing. has been a very interesting experience. Thank you. Thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely have to have you come back on the show, Luis. This was this was great fun. Okay, perfect. All right, friends. Well, that wraps up another great episode of the podcast. We'll talk to you next time. 
This podcast was brought to you by Mediate.com. For more information about Mediate.com's programs and content, please visit our website at www.mediate.com.